I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. Hi, here at IDBA, we have a really good process for bringing in a client and jobs. It's really effective and it almost always works. And it allows the client to step in in a very small way to start with, so it's really easy to sell. Um, and it lets you gather the info, the information, the costs, the, the difficulty, the possible problems, the good solutions, that sort of thing, and be paid for it, right? The situation it creates is then as the client trusts you and they get enough information to make a good decision about uh, scope of the job and how they want to spend their money. What happens in this situation is usually the job ends up being bigger than what they started out with, which is to everyone's advantage, right? It gets done the way it should be done, right? So it's a process, like a recipe. Um, and if you just do the steps in the order that they're laid out and do it exactly the way it's set up, it works, okay? What's not to love, right? Well, Sometimes we get in our own way, right? Sometimes the boss, you, the designer, doesn't follow the process or the recipe because you're highly creative. Now, creativity is a lovely thing. I celebrate it every day. I mean, that's who I am too. However, creativity in, in systems and in financial things like bookkeeping is like the kiss of death, right? It's not, not what you want to be happening at all. Ever, ever, ever. So you want to be able to curtail that creativity and focus it just on the, the, the design part. I mean, that's where it's so, so generously beneficial to you, not in your systems, right? Now I had an advantage in my studio is I had a lead designer who, <laughs> who everybody else elected to come talk to me because in, you know, when you have a whole, a whole bunch, I mean, at one point I had uh, 13 employees, six of which were designers or design assistants. So there's a lot going on there. And what that did was cause me to have to figure out systems to make this work so that everybody did the same thing every way, the same way every time. Okay. And that's really where my systems training started. And so we would set up these systems in the studio and say, okay, guys, this is how we're going to do it. It's this and this and this. And, and there is no exceptions. It always has to be that way. Great. So off they go. They're doing it that way. And then here comes my lead designer, sits down at my desk and says, Terry, um, I need to talk to you. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. What? She says, well, you told us that we had to do this, this, or this, and you just did something different. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I got called out on my own stuff. 
um, which was embarrassing. Um, but I owned up to it absolutely and said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Let me go fix that. And I went back and turned around and did it in the proper sequence and got it into the system the way it was supposed to be, just the way I told them to do it. Okay, so that's an advantage for me. If you're working alone, you don't have somebody to call you out on what you just did. Um, however, the the result you get kind of calls you out on it. So what happens if you don't follow the process? You know, these scenarios are from this week's coaching and Q&A calls that we do. And, you know, so this stuff is current as to what's going on right now. Um, so you want to take a look at what happens when you don't follow the process and what the result is and and figure out where it went wrong what happened now this is never about blaming all right i want to be really really clear about that we're not going to blame anybody for this right we're just going to take a look at it and see if we could do it differently um here at idba we call it groundhog day that is after after the movie um where the the uh, <laughs> the city reporter goes to the country to report on a groundhog, but actually meets a girl, but she won't have anything to do with him because he's so obnoxious. And the day repeats over and over again. And every day he tries to do a little better and a little better and a little better. And he finally gets the girl, right? But from our standpoint, it's the idea of saying, well, we get to do this over again. What would we do differently that would make it better? Okay. So that's, that's Groundhog Day. So we're going to Groundhog Day. What happened here to this designer? So, you know, she was feeling probably a little scarce, you know, sometimes when you don't have a lot of jobs stacked up, you're just wondering when it's going to happen, right? And, and you know, here we are in the beginning of the year, um, and, and often it takes a little while for everything to get going and rolling, right? You know, we got to get after taxes to, to really get people into things again. Okay, so we're feeling a little bit insecure and would like to have a new job right now. Okay, right now, give me something to work on. Give me some income in my accounts. This is what I need, right? And so a good opportunity came comes along, but, but we may have just skipped right over talking about money, about what things cost, and in the idea of making it happen faster. Okay, so what was happening here, um, the designer's story was, this is a returning client. I, you know, I like working with them. They're fun. I know exactly what they want. I know what this is going to cost. I'm sure it is. You know, so I'm just going to put together, I'm just going to put together a letter of agreement. I just sent it out. It's, you know, for, I give them a, put a, threw out a $150,000 budget, a 22.5 fee, and that's it. Threw it out there. Okay. Now, I kind of wondered about that because it was like out of process. And I go, okay, well, if you think that's going to work, you know, but, you know, skipping the beginning point and going straight into the chase often doesn't work, even with somebody you know <laughs> and somebody you think that it'll work just perfectly fine. So the result of this was the client didn't have a clue what it was going to cost. There was no conversation about what the job was going to cost. Um, it just kind of got plopped at them and they weren't prepared for that. They weren't prepared to spend that much. And, and maybe they will in the, in the future. I mean, it could end up that way, but, but what happened is that it kind of got plopped on them. They got a letter of agreement said this much, pay me this and I'll do it. And what happened, it came back a week later was, uh, was a, a decline, a no. Right. On something that should have been a shoe in. 
right? So it's a returning client. How can you, you know, how can you lose that? Well, they were kind of um, in shock, sticker shock, right? Fainted, as I say, fainted and fell on the floor and then said no. Okay. So the shoe-in job, the easy and profitable job, um, didn't work out. So what needed to happen? Okay, what what needed to happen? Well, we needed to go back to the process and and start with a little exploratory agreement or even just a budget on the fly if it's a furniture job so that you could have the conversation about the money. What is it going to cost to do this? What are we, you know, what are we really talking about so that people can get their arms around it first before you say, you know, here let's go. <laughs> let's let's get on the horse and ride. Okay, so if they have a little exploratory agreement, then they've got a budget in the beginning for all the things they want, and we could have this conversation about it, and they could agree to that budget, and it's a much softer, easier way of stepping into the job and not slamming them with a with a number that they had no idea was coming, you know, um, and perhaps they would have chosen a little bit less and gone with the job, could be, or understanding what it would be, they may go with it anyway. But without that piece, without that conversation, you're missing their agreement right from the get-go and their their opinion of you as being the um, person who helps them, the trusted consultant, right? Instead of just, here it is, you know, if here it is, if you want it, take it, right? Now, the second thing that needs to happen there, and in my world, my belief is that if you really want a job, you really should present it in person, okay? Now, you know, for this designer, a $150,000 job and a 22.5 fee was no big deal, right? It's just, that's not a big deal. To the client, that may be a very, very big deal. I mean, it'd be kind of like buying a fancy car and having nobody talk to you about it. <laughs> Actually, I had that happened in a BMW dealership. And I was, you know, we've got the car, it's a great car, but I was really unhappy or amazed at the lack of connection and customer service that went with it. I was like, what, what, what just happened, right? So, so you want to make sure that that piece is always there because concierge level service is what we're about. Okay. And so we want to make sure that, that you present in person so that you can discuss things. Now, let me talk to you just with the nuts and bolts of what happens is if you send a letter of agreement out to somebody and it's well written and there it is and there's all the facts, it's not going to change. Right. But if they have a question about something, in this case, budget, um, and you're not there to talk about it, then that question um, gets kind of stuck and lodged and they talk about it between them, between, you know, the husband and wife or whoever it is that you're working with. They talk about it between them and that question just kind of solidifies into an objection, right? And they're, they're getting their heels dug in going, wait a minute, this isn't right. And that objection just turns into a no, right? And you weren't there to do anything about it. Okay. Had you been there to talk about it, presented in person, and that includes Zoom. You could do this on Zoom as well in person. It's not that it, it, you got the same effect in the end. You just don't want to um, send the letter of agreement till you get on the Zoom call. Okay. So you don't want beliefs and things happening ahead of time that would cause them to, to have objections ahead of time before you can actually explain it, right? You want to be, you want to be there and do this all at once. It's, it's a considerable advantage, you know, and if, if you want the job, you, you really need to do that. 
Okay. So when they have questions and you can answer them and explain what that is, it doesn't turn into objection. It turns into, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. It's, it's that easy. Right. So it's a good, a good thing to do. It, it allows thinking. It allows conversation. It allows you to be the support person that's going to help them through this job. It's a really, a really important piece. Okay. And you can explain and adjust on the fly that letter of agreement. And it would be likely, very likely that this designer would have walked out of that meeting with a check in her hand. Now, it may not have been for that budget. They may have adjusted that a little bit, but she would have ended up with that job. Okay. Instead of a flat out, no, we can't do this. Thanks so much. Okay. So you can see, you could see how sticking to a process of the way you always do something can, can make you, um, far more successful, far more successful. And so we've got to, to, <laughs> we got to control our own creativity and our own kind of, I don't know. I find it some kind of egotistical piece about, Oh, I want to do it my way. Oh, I'm just going to do it this way. Um, because it, it comes back to bite you. You know, it just rolls around that way. Now, another place that this happens, I'll go to another another instance this week going on, um, is is when a designer has a very important client. Now, I'm going to say an important client is somebody who's perhaps well-known in the community, they're wealthy, they have really good connections, and you're thinking, oh, man, I'd like to really work for her because you know, her friends are up there where I want to be, right? Um, so, you know, that's, that's a good thing, and it's good to watch out for that and be aware of it, absolutely. And sometimes the same thing happens when you've got a job where you're ex- getting into it, you're exploring it and discovering that it actually is a really considerably larger budget than you thought it was going to be. And that makes your fee considerably larger than you thought it was going to be. Okay. So there's, there's that piece going, <laughs> there's, there's that going on around there, right? So, you know, what we're talking about there is really an internal feeling about what's going on, it actually, there's nothing on the outside driving this, right? It's just the way we designers feel about this and feel about these clients. So one of the things that that I see designers doing then is trying to to give them more, be be bigger, be more, you know, be more special, be, you know, really, really blow them away with how good you are. Great, great idea. However, you've got to be careful about what it is that you're doing with it. You know, because you already have this really good process for landing clients and, and, you know, getting the right kind of budget in place and getting the fee in place and the happy clients are happy in the end because they know what's going to happen. You know, it's all running really well. And then you get this person who's really important and you want to, you want to add something like, like extra free visits or being more available or doing more or this idea of, of giving them more of you um, in the very beginning or even before they've even hired you is risky because what you're doing is saying that your your time is not worth anything, that you're free, okay? You know, high-end people you know, want really good service, but they don't want you to lay down and roll over because they'll realize that you're not used to doing this, right? You're not, and you need to be one of them, right? So we, we need to remember that that adding stuff to the process doesn't help. Okay, it actually diminishes it, makes you go backwards. Sometimes 
Um, I see designers listening to too many podcasts. Now, <laughs> I have to choke of, you know, a little joke about that because, you know, here you're listening to a podcast, right? But when I was coming up in the business, there was nothing. It was zero, right? Nobody would talk about anything about business or how they did things, that sort of thing. Now, everybody wants to share what they do. But what happens is, is if you listen to a bunch of different ways of doing things, I mean, that's all good. There are different ways of doing things. The questionable thing is, does it work for everybody? Okay, because it's just that person's thing. And does it actually work? Right. So, you, you know, when you, when you start adding other stuff into your process, you're not really making it better. You're just kind of making a mess of it. So we want to really watch out for that. Sometimes adding a whole bunch of different things that are unproven can just mess up what you had to begin with. Now, remember that great solutions are always really simple. An architect friend of mine used to say, the elegant solution is the simplest one. And I thought, well, that's really great because, you know, in, in design, you always start with this huge pile of stuff. I mean, I used to make this giant mess on the, uh, we had this big, big center island that we built jobs on. And I'd have this huge mess going. But by the time I got to the end, to the solution, it was four or five things that were just perfect together, just clicked, right? And I had to go through all that muck to get there. So, you know, when you think about that, you really don't want to create a whole pile of stuff <laughs> to get this job. You want to give something that's really clean and simple, that elegant solution, okay? So adding more stuff to the process doesn't help it. It's like adding more stuff to a design. In that context, too, you think about um, it's far easier to do a really, I'm going to say messy design. It has a whole lot of stuff in it. You know, you can just keep adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff, and you get this kind of, you can get this overwhelming thing. Um, and, and it's okay. You know, I mean, you know, it's kind of a maximalist approach, right? But, but in the end, you know, the simple, elegant solution is the best, right? And it's not from adding more stuff. It's really easy to do that. You can just add more, add more, put some more trim on it, that kind of thing. It's actually harder to make it simple, okay? So when you've got a simple solution that works, stick with it, okay? Think of it this way. If you and your client have agreed on a $400,000 budget and your fee is looking at about $36,000, something like that, that is a good balance between the two. That's a real simple solution. The $400,000 is a big chunk of money to spend on the property. The thirty-six dollars for you is to make sure that they spend it well. Okay. And it doesn't really need any more support other than put those two numbers together. 36,000 is the insurance to make sure that what you're spending on this property is going to be worth it and create value in your property. So the, the solution to being able to land that job is to just be able to say that. Okay. And you say, you know, we've agreed on a $400,000 budget. My fee will be 36,000. Just like that. Pass the salt. Okay. Now, pass the salt means, means being able to say any kind of number thing that even relates to you, even when it's scary, with no emotion in your voice. Because when you ask somebody to pass the salt, you just say, pass the salt. 
Okay. If you practice that out loud enough, you'll be able to just say that, right? And get through that with what we call the pass the salt moment, right? And be successful on the other side. Adding stuff to your letter of agreement or to your offer, that sort of thing doesn't make that better or fix it in any way or make it more justifiable. It's, it's really a matter of being able to do it. Okay. So think of it this way. It's an analogy for you. You're having a dinner party. Okay, this is an important dinner party for, say, eight people, and it's your partner's boss and wife and, you know, important people in, in business, right? Okay, and you're cooking, okay? And no problem, you're doing a recipe that you've done quite a few times before. It comes out really well. It's really consistent. Everybody loves it, you know? That's all really cool, really cool, right? So is this the day that you're going to double some of the ingredients, you're going to decide to just use twice as much butter and let's let's double the garlic too, right? Would you do that? Nah. <laughs> or is this the day that you would add an extra ingredient in? Let's put a little cinnamon in this or a little cardamom or something like that. No, this is not the day to do it. This is an important day. You want it to come out right. So you use the recipe and you follow it exactly the way it's written because you know if you do that, you will get this result. Okay. Design jobs are the same way. Okay. We don't want to do something risky because it's a bigger client or a bigger fee or a, a different anything because that reduces our chances of being successful. We want to go the other way, right? And follow the recipe precisely. Stick with the system because it always works. Okay. Design jobs are the same way. When you have a recipe or a process that works and, and it's proven and it works and you've been doing it, stick to it. Don't change it. Stick to it. It is the, the glide that makes everything happen. Okay. And the creativity belongs in the job and what you're going to create for them, not in this part. Okay. So it's just really a matter of, you know, wash, rinse, dry, repeat. Wash, rinse, dry, repeat, right? We all know that, okay? What happens when you do the wash, rinse, dry, repeat over and over? Well, the jobs get bigger, the fees get larger, the clients get happier, and your job gets easier, just like that. That's what I have for you today. Design something beautiful and get paid with your worth. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're learning, head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com and book a clarity call. This is the perfect way to chat with one of our coaches about where you are in your business and what your next best step needs to be to make your design business profitable and enjoyable. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. So until next week, Design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. <laughs>